Prince of Swords, that's Knight of Swords in Rider-Waite-Smith and Prince of Swords in Thoth and Tabula Mundi. If you want an exhaustive discussion of why the confusion in nomenclature, then I think we've got it in episode 32, Overview of the Court Cards. Uh, so his hermetic title is Prince of the Chariots of the Winds, Prince and Emperor of Sylphs and Sylph Feeds. As always with these Golden Dawn titles, it gets really confusing with the male courts because sometimes they even call him a king. I've got Chariot of the Winds, not Chariots of the Winds. Prince of the Chariot of the Winds. And the chariot is important because it is a throne and it moves. Yes. Yeah. That has to do with his parents. Yep. The idea that he combines both the force of his father, the motion with the uh, form or firmness of his mother, the queen, on her throne. Mm-hmm. Thus the movable throne. <laughs> right. <laughs> the prince mobile. <laughs> <laughs> so he has the swiftness of his father, though not quite as swift, and the steadiness of his mother, though not quite as steady. Yeah. He's one of the special double elemental cards. Yeah. Heir of air. So... Very important, just as the Queen of Cups is very important, and the Knight of Wands. So he really personifies that and the letter, that third letter of the divine name. He certainly does. Uh, air of air. The airy part of air. So we can think of that as the currents within the air. Right, the winds and the clouds mm-hmm. and the mo- motion and movement mm-hmm. of air. Uh, whereas his father, I think of as being... You know, fitful gusting winds in many directions. I think of him as being the steady wind that pushes the ship across the sea in the direction it needs to go. Mm. Mm-hmm. And because it's air of air like that, it's the suit of air being associated with the mind and intellect. It's not modified by anything. It's air of air. It's pure, right. pure intellect. <laughs> <laughs> and there is no sort of antagonistic court card for him to play off of. It's just him. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Although you can look at the Deccan that he doesn't have of Aquarius. Yeah. So he doesn't have that third Deccan of Aquarius, which is the card of futility, Mm -hmm. the seven of swords. And who does have that card would be the Knight of Cups, who has that as a shadow Deccan. And I was thinking about what that might mean. And Mm -hmm. so... When I think of the Knight of Cups, that's like that knight on the quest, you know, the Holy Grail quest knight. And it's almost as if this knight, the Knight of Swords... Just to clarify for a sec, what Mel's talking about here is what we would call in Rider-Waite-Smith, the King of Cups and the Knight of Swords, or in thought, the Knight of Cups and the Prince of Swords. Doesn't have that one grail... You know what I mean? He's yeah. flitting all about, you know, creating thoughts and destroying them in that constant motion. And, you know, he's he doesn't have that singular He doesn't have the focus. recognition <laughs> that what he's doing is going to lead to futility. 
because he doesn't have that experience. Yeah. Sort of like what we saw with the Knight or King of uh, Swords, that he didn't have the experience of ruin to dissuade him from his course. But I think that's true also of the Knight or King of Cups, as you're saying. So having been familiar with the experience of intellectual distraction and self-sabotage in the Seven of Swords, he is on a spiritual mission in the Eight and Nine of Cups. Yeah. 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 So this guy doesn't have that spiritual (laughs) mission. He doesn't have that one-pointed devotional focus. He has, I think, a a feeling for humanity as a whole, but it's pretty cerebral. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we talked about all of these swords cards as being about the other, and I, I called this one the other as in the alien. He's the, <laughs> he's the alien. That Aquarian, no need to be like anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, pressing need to be different. Can I ever tell you what my son's first full sentence was? He's an Aquarius. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So do I. Yeah, (laughs) I've got a lot of this guy in my chart. I have three things. I have my Ascendant, Moon, and Mars all within his decans. Right, you've got uh, both the five and six swords, right? So I identify with this guy a little bit. Mm -hmm. Air of Air, he's... um, I think it was Crowley who said this. What I liked is that Air of Air said he's ready to enter into combination with the nearest element available. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, sort of like the outer rings of an electron. Yeah, get ready to bind to anything yeah. that comes along. And, and that fits with, you know, how he can make any argument just for the sake of making the argument. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he has conviction in it, he can seem to. <laughs> right, and I think, you know, it's interesting to consider where he's coming from. So he's got that shadow decan of uh, of four of discs associated power. with Capricorn. Right. Yeah. So the, the power side of the devil, I you know, going to the star. So he's going from from chains to freedom. And, you know, I, I think of the communist manifesto where they say, you have nothing to lose but your chains. You know, this is the Aquarian revolutionary need to bust out of there. Yeah. And, no no patience for the structures of the four of discs, the power and the kingdom and everything. It's like um, the the whole point is to overturn the monarchy and to have a revolution. And yeah. I think that's what we see in five and six of swords with all of the To boldly go where no man has gone before. <laughs> <laughs> and who cares if we break a few things while we're at it? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really think that, like, the great difference between the devil and the star and the cards that go with them is the amount of attachments and obligations you have, right? Mm. You know, the the star allows you to travel far and unencumbered, and the devil holds you right where you are. And yet they're both ruled by Saturn. Right, right. And so let's, we should talk about that, the difference between Saturn ruling an Earth sign and Saturn ruling an air sign, the um, the structures that Saturn builds in Earth are solid ones. The architecture, the buildings, the, you know, the, the works and the material qualities of the world around us, what would we do without Saturn to build our houses? The star represents the rules we live by, you know, the uh, not just the tangible ones, but 
the intangible ones. And it's it, it speaks to the Aquarian idealism. The yeah. Star, you know. Absolutely. You know, whereas Libra sort of enforces the law, you know, in a very proactive way, I think of Aquarius as sort of backing up and looking at the whole structure and saying, how is this working and not working? For humanity. Yeah, yeah. for everybody, maximum right. possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's definitely... Um, the bigger vision. Hands-on, hands-off. You know, and used to not really understand at all the idea of why Saturn governed Aquarius uh, in the classical rulerships, but it does make sense when you think about it. You know, it's the side of Saturn that... It's more closely tied to the ideas of discipline, I think, that go mm. with Saturn, because that's an internal rule. It's not something that's necessarily imposed upon you in the best case, but something that you make up for yourself. And Saturn's really interesting, too. Like, you notice in the Orphic Hymn to Saturn how it refers to him as both the creator and the destroyer in some way, because he birthed all the gods and then he swallowed them up. Yeah. You know? Then he was forced to birth them up again. <laughs> but, you know... He's like, he is the creator and the destroyer at the same time. Yeah, and I also think of, like, Saturn and Capricorn as the one who rules the boundaries of space, but Saturn and Aquarius as the one who rules the boundaries of time. So right. he's the one who determines when you are no longer for this world. Your your time is done, yeah. you know? And also the mother of all is Bina. Right. So, yeah, right. creation and destruction, Saturn's realm. Yeah, there's a line in uh, the Orphic Hymn to Saturn, Desmus arrectus hoseges cat aperona cosmu, which means um, unbreakable bonds that yes. hold the cosmos together. The chains together. that yeah. hold the universe together. Yeah. yeah, I love that line. That's a great line, and it's so it really gives you a sense of why you got to have him. I mean, what would we do without gravity? <laughs> right. Everything would fly apart. Although I have heard an interesting idea that the ruler in modern you know, astrology is Uranus for Aquarius. And some people have said that since the Uranus myth is not that great, it should really be Prometheus. Which makes yeah, a lot that, of sense. That does right? make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Aquarian sidetrack there. Yeah, and you know, the another thing that jumped out at me is the Aquarian motto is I know and mm -hmm. this is the air of air, so it's the power of the Sphinx to know. <laughs> There's a little parallel there. Yes. So the Queen of Cups would be associated with I dare. Mm. Yeah. And uh the Niter King of I will. Would be I will <laughs> yeah. and the princess or page of discs would be, I keep silent. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have a son who's an Aquarius, and he knows everything. <laughs> I'll tell you so. <laughs> um, you know, we talked a little bit in The Journey of the Fool about these Aquarian cards having to do with navigating your way through the crossroads that you came to in Libra, and then in Gemini you'll commit to the choice. But here is where you are using your mind, the skills of your mind, to find your way. Uh, renouncing the stasis of the four discs. You know, the no longer wanting to be stuck. You know, this is maybe the, the card that's most in motion of the court cards. Yeah, air of air. Those molecules don't want to stand still. <laughs> oh, when we were talking about this, this is so interesting regarding dates. That all of the solstices and equinoxes belong to the queens. Uh, because they are cardinal. They have the, the, the decan leading up to the equinoxes and solstices and the decan afterwards, so they contain mm, the, the hinge points. Mm -hmm. They contain the hinge points of the year. And in this system, uh, all of the princes or knights contain the cross-quarter 
holidays, the other ones. And the one that's associated with this is in bulk, the spring cleaning holiday. Which, yeah, which is interesting because it falls in February, and one of the meanings of the word February is to cleanse. Oh, okay. Neat. It's associated with water, even though Aquarius is the an air sign, he's the water bearer, mm-hmm. um, pouring out the celestial waters. And that time of year in Egyptian times coincided with their rainy season. Also includes Groundhog's Day. And before Groundhog's Day, as I think we talked about in... Yeah, we did. In the, was it the Five of Swords, probably? Yep. Yeah, we talked about how divination traditions are associated Weather with Weather divinations, this. yep. Yeah, and I really think of like... The interpretive side of divination, not the casting side, but the interpretive side as being a very intellectual construct in some ways. Yes, it's intuitive, but you also need to decipher codes and symbols. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a logic to it for sure. Mm -hmm. It's not all intuition. (laughs) Yeah, and Imbolc also is, I think it translates as in the belly. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, talked about the pregnancy aspects or fertilization aspects of St. Bridget. And that's also the time of the Thalamic holiday, the Feast of Stars. Yeah. So bringing back the star card and Nuit. Feast of Nuit, yeah. Beautiful time of year, even though it's cold. It's when yeah. I always feel this like sense that even though you can't tell that spring is coming. You can feel it. There's little hints. Yeah, and the winds and breezes that come by, you know, all winter, they're very cold and sterile, but they start to smell like something. Yeah. Something good at this time of year. So, Sephira and world, we are talking about the Sephira Tiferet in the world of Yetzirah, the world of formation. Yeah, and um, because all princes are associated with sixes, he's associated with the Six of Swords, which also happens to be one of his decans, the Six of Swords. So he's mm-hmm. doubly associated with the Six of Swords science or earned success. And the Six of Swords, you know, is the card you really want to have if you want to get from point A to point B. And, <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things that he does. He can get you there. Yeah. Even if, you know, um, it reminds me of the fact that even though, you know, his mind can be sort of, go in all directions, it reminds me of the fact that when things are in motion, there's the opportunity to change them. Yeah. Yeah. Anything could happen. And like all the princes, they all have this kind of balancing act going on between the two decans of their main sign. In his case, it's between defeat and success because science's Mm -hmm. other name is earned success. Yeah. So it's like there's that... The, the balancing act between those two polarities. There's something he says, Curly says, about the court cards. Let's see, is that, uh, here it is, um, about the four princes. He says that he acquires a relative permanence because he is the published record of what has been done in secret by mm, his parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... So there's that gives him some staying power. That's his rationale for considering him associated with the fixed signs. Mm-hmm. Um, his his action is more enduring than that of his forebear. So he's somewhat rapid and somewhat enduring. He is also um, associated with the dying god. I mean, all princes are mm-hmm. uh, redeeming his bride in the hour and by the virtue of his murder. So creation and destruction. And sacrificial gods go with the uh, prince's 
slash knights. And all the all the prince's function is to carry this power down to the princess, you know, to right. to merge with her. And this guy in particular, it's really interesting. So if you're in in Tefera in the six, your way to Malkut is through Isod, the astral realm, mm-hmm. which it seems especially apt in his case. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. In the sort of astral realm of Yetzira, um, you know, he he has I associate with Teferit and with the sixes generally a sense of mission or purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, so the energy he channels from above the six Sephira has a reason. It's going somewhere. It's heading towards Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why the as above, so below, the six pointed star that's associated with him, the reconciled triangles of fire and water. In terms of the Etea meanings, his uh, benign aspect is that of a military person mm-hmm. you know, doing the job. Uh, you know, and military people, you know, when you think of military deployment, of why we send out military forces, you know, they are they are dangerous, they are forceful, they are deadly, but it's also they are the messengers of an idea. You know, there's some kind of principle that they're fighting for, even if it's not one that everyone agrees with. His opposite side, now this is interesting, is ignorance. The translation of the upright form, a military person in which you are, uh, you, in whom you're interested, uh, conducts a, an attack action from which he receives good compensation. In reversal, this card re- predicts a man who will have a dispute with a fool who, fool, the fool, yes, who, uh, or maybe it's a drunkard. I'm not quite sure which it is. Who will um, make him the laughing stock of all those who hear him? So you know, there's that sort of like, uh, definitely a, a verbal quality, definitely an aggressive quality to this card. He is associated. Here's another one who's associated with. Alexander the Great, uh, yet another. I mean, he's all over the place with these associations. Um, and then I have one more, which I didn't look up, uh, from the Solabuska. Amon, A-M-O-N-E. I do not know anything about this figure, can't find anything out from a very, very five-second Google search. So if any of you know anything about the figure, historical figure Amon, A-M-O-N-E. Yeah, not... Amun as in Amun-Ra, but A-M-O-N-E, which I know nothing about. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. Knowledge and ignorance, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what are the virtue and vice of Tiferet? I have it somewhere. Hold on. Yeah, the virtue is devotion and the vice is pride. That really makes sense in terms of like devotion reminds me of the fixity of sixes, you know, the uh, steadfastness and perseverance associated with them. And then pride is, I guess, the sort of uh, overconfidence that goes with Yeah, that's the Leo connection between, you know, Tiferet being the sun and Leo's major vice is pride. Okay, so shall we look at Wade Smith for a moment? Boy, is he going at a... Yeah, he's going at a clip clip there. Yeah, yeah. I love these... These clouds, they don't look exactly like clouds I've ever seen, but I get the point. 
<laughs> yeah, the um the weather description I have for Aquarius is rain descending from clouds, a force manifesting and manifested. This horse is seriously panicking. Yeah, his eyes are definitely rolling. Oh yeah. He's like, God get this guy off me. <laughs> Look at the um birds on here. They're the birds are all tossed around. Now I can't oh, now, tell. Are you talking about the birds? Are no, the, are I meant these the ones. Can, oh, what are um, these on his blanket over his lap? There, I can't tell what if they're birds or not. I don't know. I was talking about the birds in the upper right-hand corner. There are five. The upper right-hand corner is five mm-hmm. birds. Which... Unless these are like parts of the cloud. No, they're definitely birds, and they're being tossed upside down and sideways. Yeah, they're being blown about on yeah. currents of air. And the fact that it's five makes me think of Gibora and the sword as a weapon. Right. This card is the personification of the sword as heir of air. And you can see that the trees that we saw in his parents' cards are now leaning. Yeah, from they're the force. really getting blown. Yeah. Gale Force wins. He has the red feather on his helmet like oh, the yeah. fool. So bringing in uh, fool and air. And right? the sun. And death. And death. Mm-hmm. Those three. Yeah. That's interesting because Wait says that this card can mean death, but only if in proximity to other cards of fatality. And the go- I think that has something to do with the Golden Dawn meaning for this card, where I think it calls him... The Alpha and Omega, the giver of death. It does. It does his sort of creation-destruction qualities. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the Sun and Death cards, the you know, you see the feather and it's in different states. Like it's either upright in the Sun one and, you know, dangling in the Death one. And he actually has, I think, two feathers. Right. Unless I'm mistaken. It looks like two or a split feather. Yeah, which, you know, kind of just speaks to the general doubleness of air as well as maybe he's got the air, life air, and air of air. Yeah. Two, two feathers. Yeah, there you go. You know, like all those other air cards, he's got a lot of red on him, actually. And I think that term, the giver of death, and the alpha and omega beginning and the end, I think that's a Saturn mm-hmm. reference. You know, like we were talking about Saturn mm-hmm. as the birther and eater of the gods. Yes. Right. One thing that's kind of interesting about this guy, which I hadn't really noticed before studying up for this, was that he's got one gloved and one ungloved hand. He's got Michael Jackson. A... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you know the 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 glove protects, but it also kind of dulls the senses. So you know he wants his bare hand on that sharp sword so that he can wield it exactly the way he wants. Mm. And it's also significant, I think, that. The sword is cut off in the card. Hmm. So he's kind of going off half-cocked, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, his intentions are pure. He's got the white horse that he's riding on. He's on a mission. About that purity of intention, he might almost be Galahad, Waite says. Now, Galahad was one of the three Grail Knights, right? So there's yeah, that's Percival and Bors that's and Galahad. Because he doesn't have that the... That the Prince of, I mean, Knight of Cups does have. Yeah. Yeah. His Deccan. Yeah. His bar, you know, adopt a Deccan program. Adopt a Deccan program. So that would be the, you mean the seven? Seven, The Mm -hmm. seven of swords that he doesn't have is the one that the Knight of Cups has. Right. Right. And the Knight of Cups, of course, has. I think of the Knight of Cups as a Galahad figure Mm -hmm. more than this guy. Knight or King of Cups. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, well, the interesting thing about Galahad was that he didn't make it to the end of the quest exactly. I mean, they, he was given the chance to see 
the grail. And because he was so pure of heart, he was allowed to ask a boon. And he asked to determine the time of his own death. Oh, interesting. So Galahad the Pure, who sounds kind of like an insufferable prick, actually, (laughs) he encounters later on in the story Joseph of Arimathea, who uh, caught the blood of the Grail from Christ. So he's a very holy figure. And Galahad is so overwhelmed with his passion and faith that he asks to die right then. So he's carried straight up to heaven, you know, no intermediary stages. And he was the one who was considered the pure of heart. Where I actually associate the Knight King of Cups, as you do, with the Grail also. But the Percival qualities. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. Yeah. So he's very idealistic in his way. And some people and that's see the Aquarian, him. you know, Aquarians are idealistic. The star card is that mm-hmm. always in the distance, perfect ideal kind of. Can be really militant about it too, though. So that's like the fixed that's the, the thing. Nature, yeah. There's something about this guy that you look at him and you can see a guy who is a fighter. Both you can see him as like a person who fights for fighting's sake and a person who fights for good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, there's fighting. (laughs) And we talked a little before about him and his relationship with the associated majors and minors. It's just like the desire to smash things and free things, his revolutionary qualities. But we got to remember it's an intellectual revolution. (laughs) Yeah. Waite says, reversed imprudence, incapacity, and extravagance. Yeah. And I, I think with the princes, with their solar qualities that imbalance is even more of a problem than it is for other courts, you know, since balance is an inherent quality of Teferit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, on to Thoth. Yeah, look at that card. It's so weird. It's super strange. It doesn't look like the other sword courts. You know, he's he's got like a... He's green. He's the alien. (laughs) And he's got a hat on that looks like it has a (laughs) pom-pom. It's supposed to be a gold child's head. That's, you know... The child's I head see. is his crest, so that's supposed to be a child's head if you oh, yeah, I can look see at it, it close It's still up. weird looking. Yeah, he looks like an alien. This is a, kind of like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he looks he's like green he belongs on a comic and, book. And all muscly. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of uh, like you can see through him, like he's a glass, dark glass bottle figurine. Mm, a bubble. A bubble mm-hmm. of air. He's all the colors of the fool, the green and gold. Although Crowley says he's clothed with closely woven armor, adorned with definite device. I'm not sure I'm seeing what he's seeing. I would love the geometric forms, though. There's a lot of uh, yes. these air. There's the um, symbols for air here. That that diamond in the center of his chariot. So the diamond is. Keter, a symbol for Keter, which would make sense for the fool and air. Mm-hmm. But it's also, if you look closely, it's a three-dimensional diamond, which means it has eight sides, which re- would refer to Hode and yeah. mind and reason. It also reminds sense. me of the uh, chariot mysticism of Merkaba, you know, the um, the sort of cubic form that's supposed to transport you to the godhead. Pyramid mm-hmm. above and the pyramid below. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the platonic s- symbol uh, for air, I think, the um, diamond yeah. octahedron. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. that makes sense. It doesn't look like a very comfortable chariot. I don't see the sitting place. Those are wings he's got, the yellow things? I guess. I guess so. <laughs> they and look then... com- almost like bubbles, you know, bubbles of air. Yeah. Air of air. 
And then the 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 uh, figures that are leading his chariot are like mini me's for him. You know, they all look like him. Yep. <laughs> right. Those little figures they they really make me think of monkey mind. You know, the Buddhist yeah. concept of monkey mind, where you just have conflicting thought after thought after thought. Exactly. It says this chariot is drawn by winged children looking and leaping irresponsibly in any direction that it takes. So mm, yeah, like thought, like thought. Uh, the book T one, I think it's they're drawn by Arch Fay. Yes. So much more like your card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the same idea that the the mind wanders where it will. I think Crowley says something about the the crest, the child crest on his head, as being a secret crown or something like that. Let's see. On the head of this prince is nevertheless a child's head radiant, for there is a secret crown in the nature of this card. If concentrated, it is exactly Tiferet. How concentrated? I what think are we that he's talking about the holy guardian angel because this is heir of heir. This is the the son of the divine name. This is the Vav, mm-hmm. um, which is associated with the HGA. So I think that's what he's talking about, the concentration there, the, the secret nature yeah. of the card. I like what he says about this guy. He says he's indifferent to the fate of a contrary argument advanced two minutes earlier impossible to defeat because any position is as good as any other (laughs) he's the great debater yeah yeah i was listening i told you about the podcast i was listening to with the ceremonial magician and he was talking about how he did a working to become eloquent in debate and this demon gave him this power but uh, before he was going to go into this debate that he wanted the power for, his voice got all screwed up and, you know, he had this hoarse, weird, demonic voice. He was, it was like he was sick and he could say anything in it and people would, you know, would go for it because it was just sounded so absurd and, you know, there was no arguing with it. And that's what this reminds me of, just sort of like the, uh, detachment from feeling like it matters exactly, but being able to say anything. And also just like, Loving to argue for argument's sake. Yep. And that reminds me of something else Crowley said. He said, It's easy to be deceived by such people, for the manifestation has the utmost potency as if an Im- <laughs> as if an imbecile offered dialogues of Plato. Yeah. And that cracks me up because I think that's me. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> it's funny, though. It is funny. They may in this way acquire a great reputation both for depth and breadth of mind. <laughs> so what he's holding is cool. The sword in one hand and the sickle in the other. Yeah. So it's said that the sword creates and the sickle destroys. And that's, I think that's speaking again about Saturn as being the progenitor and the destroyer. Yeah. You know, the sickle is the symbol of Saturn and that's the one that's the the destroyer. Although I don't really, you know, sword as creator is an interesting concept. It is, isn't it? Yeah. But if you think of it as like the ace of swords as being a power invoked, that's mm-hmm. a form of creation. Yeah. Invo- the, invocation as creation. The concentrated will. Yeah. Yeah. And the, or the sword is sort of like a, is a, a token of the magician's intention or focus. Yeah. And the way the yeah. mind really does create all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, hmm, that's interesting to think about, you know, if we think of Yetzir as a place where things are created and destroyed, that the sword represents that the the instrument through which you engage in that process what you invoke becomes your reality yeah 
And he's invoking all over the place here. <laughs> oh, yeah. He can't make up his mind with everything that's going on. What is it? Fine ideals unrelated to practical effort. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it says, like, he slays as soon as he creates. And that's, I think that's talking about, you know, as soon as you have one thought, you have another thought, you have another thought, and each time the new thought overtakes the old thought. Right. They, they, they don't stick right. around. <laughs> yeah, he talks about the figures drawing it as perfectly capricious with a capital C for Capricorn. So, ah, you know, the goat-like yeah. bounding from thought to thought. Yes. Which, you know, it's not something I really thought about with the devil so much before, but I guess it's that agility and nimbleness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, agenda, I guess. You know, being able, that's why they call him the Lord of the Gates of Matter, because he can... You and know. the goat climbs mm-hmm. heights on the earth realm, and yet then you have the star, which is like heights in the celestial realm. But each one is always looking up. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, he really wrote quite a bit about this card. I think he kind of liked it. I think so, too. Yeah, he did have a lot to say. He said he's that he's firm in friendship and enmity, and that yeah. talks a lot about the fixed nature of Aquarians. And that he's distrustful, I think. I saw that somewhere. I don't know if it was Book T or, or in uh, Book of Thought. And intellectual for the fun of it. And mm-hmm. I, I liked that, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. This reminds me of last Tuesday. I was in the car with my son driving on a college visit to New York, and it was, well, you know, nine hours in the car with the kid. <laughs> and on the way back, you know, we listened to a lot of music, but we also uh, argued for like an hour or two about politics just and it wasn't even unfriendly it was just because for exercise yeah (laughs) Yeah. just because that's what you do (laughs) and again it's like that aquarian moon and mercury thing happening uh oh oh the ching yes the ching so hexagram 57 um sun or shun i think is actually how you'd pronounce it because in modern transliteration is xun uh ground is what i got for that which is i got wind gently penetrating yeah yeah so that's strange because the upper trigram should be air and air (laughs) yeah the um it's just a weird translation of that trigram shun is ground or wind so when it's both trigrams are the same they name the, uh, the hexagram after the trigrams. Um, let me just pull that out for a second. And shun. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's something wrong with. Okay, proceeding humbly. Proceeding humbly. And I also saw the gentle penetrating wind. Yeah. As well. Which uh, that one, the the gently penetrating wind, kind of made sense to me because yeah, wind, air, but the the gently penetrating part mm-hmm. it's like one of his decans that venus decan of defeat that that gentleness of venus yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah but still the fixedness of penetration you know the power of of fixity yeah. it reminds me of like the way you can see erosion on a rock face from a wind that always blows in that direction yeah. you know yep. Because yeah, it talked yeah. a lot about both power and gentleness, and power is one of his other decans, but then mm-hmm. gentleness of the middle decan he has. So that's kind of interesting. And the sort of like ancient ideograph that goes with hexagram 57, so it's not just the hexagram, but there's sort of like a character that goes with each yep. one, is supposed to represent two snakes. 
oh, sort of going in exactly the same direction. There's no argument with yourself. <laughs> right. right. It's, I got also that it has something to do with influence, gradual, lasting influence on others. And that makes sense for, you know, the debater side of him. <laughs> that does. That does make sense. Yeah. That power and gentleness always makes me think of that scene in... I, I think of this guy, I think I told you earlier, just when we were talking, mm-hmm. as the dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that scene where they, they piss on the dude's rug. <laughs> the thug that's pissing on his rug says something like, Thus ever to tyrants, or something like that. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what cracks yeah, That's up. a real fuck you Aquarian thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And then the uh, geomantic figure is Tristitia. Mm, the sadness, sadness and the, illness. So it looks like a U, a regular U, uh, with two, 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 and one on the bottom. Uh, pain, suffering, sadness. But stability in Earth matters, which is Saturnian, right? Yeah, it has to do with Saturn and Aquarius and air. But if you look at if you look at the shape of it, it's actually a square above a triangle. True. So it's almost as if like being weighed down by the heaviness of gravity, Saturn, Earth, mm-hmm. you know, the square. Right. And if you turn it the other way, you get Lytitia, happiness, which Joy, is yes. associated with Pisces and Jupiter. So it's the yep. Saturn versus Jupiter thing. Yeah, the contraction yeah. versus the expansion. Not only that, but I guess it's the airy Saturn versus the watery Jupiter. I like what uh, Lon Milo said something about this card that he said it's something Crowley said, but I think he's just rephrased it as the futility of thinking about thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So I think we're on to Tabula Mundi. Yeah, um, and we'll read the little description yeah. here from the traditional Golden Dawn depiction. Mm-hmm. A winged prince with winged crown, seated in a chariot drawn by arch fays. These are represented as winged youth, very slightly dressed, with butterfly wings, heads encircled by a fillet, with a pentagram thereon, and holding wands surmounted by pentagrams, the same butterfly wings on their feet and fillets. General equipment as the Prince of Wands, but he bears as a crest a winged angelic head with a pentagram on the brows. (laughs) Beneath the chariot are gray nimbus clouds. His hair is long and waving in serpentine whorls, and whorl figures compose the scales of his armor. A drawn sword in one hand, a sickle in the other. With the sword he rules, with the sickle he slays. Right. A lot in there sure in that is. description. I especially like the angelic head with the pentagram on its brow. Yeah, what's a, what about the pentagram? Why? Well, I had several thoughts about that. So let's think about the pentagram ritual mm-hmm. that can be used for both invoking and banishing. Yeah. Just like he creates and destroys. Mm-hmm. So that's one thought. Then there's the five as the five senses of man. You know, the man associated with the angel and Mm -hmm. Aquarius Mm -hmm. and uh, the four powers united in the fifth to go. Yeah. Then there's also the five upper Sephiroth that the pentagram is sometimes said to to describe. Then there's also the five as Gibora, whose weapon is the sword. So there's a lot of 
neat and, pentagram things going on there. Yeah, and also the fact that his shadow decan is in Capricorn, which is an earthy thing, and the pentagram can be an earthy yep. representation. Yep. Uh, I think Lon Milo told us at the meetup last week that we do the banishing pentagram of Earth because, you know, it's the most complete one. You're, yep. It's basically like... It's you got know, all the others combined within it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the most thorough and comprehensive. So... And the fact that it's on his brow, you know, this mm-hmm. this power of thought. His pure power is to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like his wings. They really look like insect wings. Dragonfly wings. Dragonfly wings, yeah. yeah. Dragonflies, of course, having the power to transform. They're being uh, as a symbol of transformation. And he's got the whorl- the whorls on his armor. This has the scales of his armor. And he's got the green man from the Four of Discs. And funny how we talked about, uh, was the green man associated with this holiday or not? No, it was the previous one that we talked about, I think. Yeah, it was the other other one. So he's got the green man from the Two of Discs. But still the green man Capricorn, you know. Yeah. That's from the Four, from the Devil card um, in Tabula Mundi, has the the green man's face on the belly of the the devil. And so that's here. And then the chariot's... Uh, has that diamond on the front that has the triangle and the egg, and that's from the five of swords, mm-hmm. the nest of the dove mm-hmm. um, with the diamond, triangle, and egg. And then inside the egg is the uh, sextant from the science six of swords card. Yeah, so they're all sort of enclosed within each other. Um, I like that. Yeah, and all nested yeah. within. Yeah, that's cool. I really love the, the, there's something about the yellow of this card that's so light-filled and luminous. I don't know how you did it, but there's something about it that really just, I don't know, every time I see it, it feels like it has depth or like a sort of numinous quality. Because it's paired with its near opposite on the uh, color wheel, it Mm. really makes it flash and pop. Yeah. Against that dark almost purpley blue mm-hmm. is like its opposite color so it really gives it a lot of light yeah that's wild I whenever you pair it. a color with its exact opposite it mm-hmm. makes it seem brighter than it is just something i like to do yeah neat but there's this idea like the two arch fays are pulling in different yeah. directions you so know so by arch fays are they like the head fairies of some sort that's what i that's what i mm-hmm. thought you sort know of like, like archangels. archangels are the head yeah. angels the arch fay must be the head the head fay yeah and there's one that's more feminine and one that's more masculine and they're tricky yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's that's interesting i i've never done it but there was something i read about summoning elementals yep. you know to talk with and apparently Air ones are nice to talk to because they enjoy conversation. Fire ones set things on fire, which is a problem. Water ones, you might get plumbing problems. Earth ones are just dour and obnoxious. But the air ones are supposed to be quite fun, but tricky. Yep, yep. (laughs) So is this one you get much? Oh, I get him a lot. Yeah, I do, yeah. It's really usually about make up your damn mind (laughs) (laughs) when I get this one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get him much at all, but... I remember one of the first times I got him back when I lived in New York, I drew the card and then I went out for a walk to go do something. I walked up, I guess it was like 10th Avenue or something like that. As I turned the corner, there was a little playground on the corner and a fight broke out. It was such a surreal scene because I didn't understand what I was seeing at first. There were some people exchanging words 
And then, you know, I saw a, the girlfriend of one of the people who was fighting hand him a bottle. And I was like, why do you want a bottle? You uh-huh. know, and he took it, he broke it, and they, you know, and they had... They went at it. Yeah. Oof. And then, you know, there was blood and everything. You know, if I'd sort of known what was going on, I would have, like, called for a cop or something like that. But I didn't. I just never thought that such a thing would happen. But that, to me, reminds me of the shocking violence that can erupt with mm-hmm. this card. You know, that words escalate into action. It happens so fast yeah. that you can't do anything about yep. it. Yeah, the power of words to get out of control. Yeah. And there's something about this card, too, about control of the ego. Mm -hmm. And often that's a problem that leads to fighting is two people's egos. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And this is, um, as I said, I really associate my son with this card because of his, you know, being an Aquarian guy and also a fencer. So, Mm. you know, he is, this is his attitude towards life. He rushes towards it. He's highly disciplined and highly idealistic but not very empathic (laughs) at least at this phase in his life you know maybe at some point that will change but I often have this card come up as him including the time when I told you that I got ten of cups and knight or prince of swords on a day that I took the kids to the city and I had that Ten of Cups vision of all the things we were going to do. And No, of course, was going to fence. So that was his card. And that's when I parked the car in the wrong place. And the reason that I didn't figure it out was because he was pressing so hard. You know, we parked the car and he was like, I got to go. I got to go. It's fine. It's fine. I didn't look up to see the sign right above my head said you can't park here and that's when we got towed so i think you know that kind of makes sense to me with the distraction and sort of like competing agendas of this car yeah Yeah. there's definitely an element of distraction and restlessness yeah gotta gotta go gotta go yeah 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 yeah. i haven't had a lot of accidents or near misses in my car but it's always been when he's been there kind of taking that piece of my mind from focusing on the job. Love the guy to bits, but <laughs> that's basically the way it uh, manifests for me. You know, words that uh, that distract, words for their own sake, and my pointy, sharp, talking son. <laughs> a while ago, I was doing little essays on the court cards, and I stopped doing that. I put a pause to them just so that I could focus on painting the new mm-hmm. deck I'm working on, and I didn't need any more like things Everybody's to do. happy you're doing that anyway. <laughs> so I'd stop doing yeah. them, but there is one on the site about this guy. I, I like it, so I think if you want to know more about this guy, there's a lot there in, in that little essay. Someday I'll get back to him. Fantastic. You can check it out. Can they just search it on your blog? Yeah, they should be able to find it at the time of ye- year, so you would look around the month of February f- to find this one. <laughs> Probably posted it in January because his decans start then. So. 2018, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so shall we try and sum it up? Prince sum it of up. the Chariot mm-hmm. of the Winds, airy part of air, steady onrush of air. I know is his motto. Yes, and to know is his power. And he knows it all. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about his revolutionary spirit, his need to break the chains of power, the Capricornian chains. And we talked about Aquarius and how they like to shock. 
Mm-hmm. And if you look at the symbol of Aquarius, it does look like a little electricity ray, a little Zap. shock, <laughs> a little shock wave, and, yeah. or like a thought wave even. Yeah, like, you know, Saturn in Capricorn, the goat is climbing the mountain, but uh, in Aquarius, the mind is climbing Yeah, whatever it can. <laughs> the distant star. Yeah. Calibrating towards a direction. We talked about the um, ability of air ready to enter into combination with the nearest element available. <laughs> and the spring cleaning time of Imbolc um, around February 1st or 2nd, as well as the divination and inter- interpretation qualities associated with, with that. Yeah, Groundhog Day and um, the Feast of Stars. We talked about a lot about Saturn. Saturn as the... Um, the creator and eater of gods. <laughs> the power Creation to create. and destroy, sword and sickle. Yes, the giver of death, the alpha and the omega. The dying god, or sacrificial god. Oh, and Galahad and his pure heart. His uh, wish to die at a time of his own choosing. The monkey mind and the futility of thinking about thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the secret crown. The baby head on his... A pom-pom hat. <laughs> the pentagram on the brow of the angel and the its use for invoking and banishing. The mini-me's pulling his chariot. <laughs> any position is as good as any other. Yeah, I've got the green man on mine and he is a green man on mine <laughs> <and> curlies. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Uh, the hexagram 57, proceeding humbly, or the gentle penetrating wind. The two snakes. The fool, the star, and the universe. Yeah. Not to mention the fool, the sun, and death with the red feather. Right. Yeah. The uh, figure Tristitia, the geomantic figure representing Aquarius, whose opposite is Lytitia Joyce, representing Pisces, so Saturn versus Jupiter. Uh, the ungloved hand for dexterity versus the protected left hand. Having it both ways. <laughs> Something he likes to do. Something he really likes to do. I think Curly said there's no purchase to be had upon them, not even by pandering to their appetites. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess. So this has been the uh, Niter Prince of Swords, and um, the Steady Breeze is now... Winding down. <laughs> We're just about done with our recording day. But uh, but we will be back next week with the Princess or Page of Swords. See you then.